right. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I think I have my first three-peak guest on the show. I want to welcome back Ryan Holiday. Ryan, how are you, my friend? Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you. You know, I, uh, I think by now my audience is probably somewhat familiar with you, but take a quick second, tell them a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, um, so I'm the author of, of now three books. The first was a sort of an expose about the modern media system and, and marketing. The second was about sort of how startups market uh, this approach known as growth hacking. And then the, the third one is a, is a bit of a sharp turn in a different direction, but it's, it's called um, The Obstacle is the Way, and it's about Stoicism, the, the Roman philosophy. And uh, this is the philosophy that I've used in my, my own life. It you know, helped me become the director of marketing uh, at American Apparel in, in my 20s, helped me write these books. It's, it's sort of a philosophy for getting things done and existing in a high-pressure, you know, uh, high-stress world that you, you don't control. Well, that's what we're here for, is to talk about this new book, The Obstacle is the Way. You know, Ryan, do me a favor. Uh, you know, my audience, as you probably know, consists of uh, those with an entrepreneurial mindset, and they're small to medium-sized business owners. They are VPs of sales, VPs of marketing all pretty engaged business people and 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 in the circles that that they and I run in as well as yourself uh, we're starting to hear more about this uh, this philosophy of stoicism and and a lot of them are are like me really first heard about this from when people like Tim Ferriss uh, promoted uh, Seneca's book and all that so that was frankly how I this this got into my orbit and so mm-hmm. I've been paying a little bit more attention to this idea of stoicism and was thrilled when when I heard that you were writing this book because I figured all right good here's a contemporary of mine who's going to put a modern take and a modern spin on this idea. And then when I read all these books, uh, they were like they were written yesterday. I mean, I didn't need sure. to have a guy like you right. do this book too, but it was an, it was an amazing read. But do, here's what I really want to get to is, is for the benefit of my audience, take a quick second and define exactly what stoicism is. What does it mean to be a stoic? Sure. Yeah. I think most people, when they hear philosophy, they think like, oh, that's not for me. Right. And it turns out that stoicism is actually the opposite of whatever you think you know, you were taught in college or high school or whatever makes your eyes, you know, glaze over. It was a philosophy designed uh, in in the, the late Greek era, uh, the early Roman era, that, that was basically for um, men of action. So soldiers, politicians, emperors. It, it's, it's a philosophy for people who are doing things, who exist in a world of intrigue and problems and responsibility and... Uh, and, and and power, right? It's it's a philosophy that's if you had to reduce it down to its most simple form, it would be this this sort of line: um, we don't control the world around us; we only control how we respond, right? We control how we think, um, what we do in response, but we don't we don't control the outside world. And so, this idea, which was really pioneered by Marcus Aurelius, who was the emperor of Rome. Um, uh, Epictetus, who was a who was a slave, who who became a sort of a powerful powerful teacher, and then Seneca, who was a, a, a powerful politician and and a successful businessman. They sort of crafted this philosophy that was designed for that world that we don't control, and designed to arm people with strategies and tactics that make them sort of strong under pressure, that make them honorable in situations where there's not a lot of visibility, um, it makes them trustworthy, it makes them brave, courageous, virtuous. It's sort of this philosophy that's designed 
exactly for the life of an entrepreneur or a businessman or uh, an executive or any kind of you know high pressure situation. That's what this philosophy is designed from, and that's why you see a resurgence of it with people like like Tim Ferriss. And you know, I've known Tim for a really long time. He's one of my clients. Like Stoicism has been something that we've bonded over and talked about, um, and that that's where this book. You know, came from in a lot of ways. Well, as you said, it this all starts with Marcus Aurelius, and, and the quote that I suspect inspired the movement, probably inspired this book, is the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. So, walk us through why you why you wrote this book, I, and who is it for? You said that this was the book you always wanted to write. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that quote sort of defines the daily life of an entrepreneur, right? You don't, all these things are happening and they may feel like obstacles or setbacks at first, but really it's where, it's where opportunities come from, right? Like, um, you know, I talk about this in the first book, or, or sorry, in the second book about Instagram, right? It launches as a company known, known as Bourbon and it fails, right? It doesn't, doesn't take hold the way they want it to. Um, but in that failure, they find the idea that eventually becomes Instagram and that's a billion dollar idea. So it's it's weird. Like we know that we learn from failure, and we know that when we look back in our own lives, a lot of the difficult things or the problems that once felt like the worst thing that could have ever happened to us, now if we had the choice, we wouldn't change even if we could. Right? It our our most difficult circumstances are ultimately where we make the biggest gains. It's where we separate ourselves from the herd. It's where we learn things about ourselves. It's it's where we're forced to be creative or innovative. Um, and so I I wrote the book because like there I, I'm not sure there is a better message for right now, and there's not a better message for a world where increasingly we're responsible for ourselves. There's no one watching out for you. Um, there's, no, there's no religion telling you the way that you have to be. It's, it's on you. And Stoicism, to me, is the philosophy that sort of, uh, to, to quote Tim, it, it's, it's an operating system uniquely suited to the world that, that we live in right now. Well, that makes perfect sense. But, but can you boil this down very simply in that it's really just, just about mindset? I mean, is is that really what this is about? I, I think obviously the the book is split into three parts. It's perception, action, and will. Um, so the mindset is certainly very, very important, and it's part. It's the first part uh, for a reason. But it's it's not just about you know controlling how you see the world. It's ultimately how you act in response to that world as well. Um, you know, an entrepreneur is someone who does something, who has employees counting on them. They have investors invested in them. Um, you've got your own family to feed. It's not just, oh, I'm going to look at things differently and I'm going to say the glass is half full because that's how I want it to be. No, it's, it's seeing that inside of the problem, there is an opportunity for you to do something, to take action, to, to act rightly and creatively. Um, and uh, to, to leverage your resources or your skills to solve that problem. Like I, I tell the Zen, I open ironically in a book about stoicism with a sort of a Zen story about this. Um, it's a you know it's an old tale where um, a ruler is, has has felt like his people have become soft and weak, and so he rolls this giant boulder um, uh, in in front of the main path into town, and he he hides and he watches as the people come to this path over and over again. They get angry, they turn away. They, they curse the king, they get upset, they, they just go home. Um, and then one guy comes up to it and, and he, he looks at it and he walks off into the nearby woods and he comes back with a, with a, a long stick that he, he 
fashioned into a lever that he uses to to sort of move the boulder off the path, right? And beneath the boulder, the king had left a, a, a pouch of gold coins with a message that said, you know, what stands in the path is the path. The obstacle is the path. Um, that That's what I'm trying to say with this book as well. It's not just, hey, I'm going to look at this, uh, you know, rock in the in the path and say like oh it's not there or oh like it's okay that it's there you have to do something about it but you it's it's all about how you see this obstacle and do you see it as a challenge or a chance to prove yourself or a chance to practice something that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have and when you had that attitude that's where really amazing things happen well, you talk about how the book is organized. You just mentioned it's it's organized into three sections: perception, action, and will. And and I want to ask you about it because I I really get my head around the first two: perception, right? Okay, so an obstacle is there, and I can't look at it as an obstacle. I have to look at it as an opportunity. I get that. Action makes perfect sense to me. You, if you don't take the first step, you're never going to go anywhere. So action is critical. Help me understand will. You talk sure. about the importance of the force of will. And you and I both know that a lot of people out there in this crazy world with a million things going on, multitasking, all this noise, it's hard It's hard to do that. But walk me sure. through the importance of that third part. Sure. Well, I think Will has sort of two definitions. There's the one that we all know, which is like the idea of willpower, like how much do you want something, how dedicated are you to it? But the Stoics had another definition of will, which was this sort of idea of consent, like consent to the universe around us. It's, it's almost like a fatalistic attitude but not in a downer way that you would think. Like um, there, there's a, a great Latin phrase. It's amor fati, which means a love of fate. Sort of loving what happens to you and understanding that you know perhaps you thought your business was going to run this way, and then some economic change, or perhaps a law is passed, or a competitor comes and uh, eats up that market before you have a chance to do it. You can, you've got a choice there. You can be upset about it. You can try to fight against it anyway. Or you can say, like, actually, no, this is good. I'm going to do something else. I'm going, I understand that uh, the world is outside of my control, and I'm going to focus my energy on the things that I do control, which is, you know, again, my perceptions and my actions. And so I, I, I talk about a lot of stories in the, in the book. Uh, my favorite in the will section is the story of Thomas Edison. He's 67 years old. Um, his, supposedly in, uh, or his supposedly fireproof laboratory burns to the ground. Um, and it's not insured because it was, again, supposed to be fireproof. Um, and th- this scene is um, so amazing to me. He, 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 walks to the, he walks to the scene and he finds his son there who's like, you know, losing it. And he, he says to his son, he's like, no, 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 don't be upset. Like, go get your mother. Go get all her friends. We're never going to see a fire like this again. Like, he's, he's genuinely excited about the chance to watch his laboratory burn down. And, and why is that? It's because this fire in this this chaos or this destruction, it actually like invigorates him. He knows now he has a chance to rebuild. And he knows that, you know, getting upset and yelling at a fire doesn't do anything about that problem. And so in, in the will section, it's it's sort of it deals with the intangibles, but the really important place where a sort of a sense of your own place in the world and a sense of of flexibility and fluidity and, and humility makes you able to withstand the sometimes terrible ordeals that life or business may subject you to. Well, sharing that Edison story did help me better understand what you were going for with Will. So thank you for sharing that. You know, what's happening to someone internally, Ryan, when they're 
when they're so easily bro- beaten down by obstacles? I mean, what what's going on in them in their in their in their in their mental state where where they're just just they're so quickly defeated by these kinds of things? Sure, I I think the problem is you know we weren't given a framework for dealing with obstacles, right? Like I think especially in my generation. Um, you, you take certain technologies so for granted that you start to assume that the world operates how you want it to operate. Because we can um, predict the weather, we start to think that we control the weather. Um, or because we think that our models say that X, Y, and Z is going to happen and that there's not a chance that a black swan could come and, and you know sort of disrupt all of that. And so I think a big part of it is this lack of... Um, preparedness for the truly unpredictable nature of the world that we live in. And that's why most of the book is stories from history, people who who didn't have those assumptions and were therefore able to endure, suffer through, and ultimately triumph over obstacles that I think now would almost be incomprehensible to most people. Um, and, and so I don't think it's any fault of anyone's own. Uh, I wanted to write this book to provide, to say, like, look, for thousands of years, there has been um, a framework and a way and a perspective and a way of thinking that's helped people through situations that are much worse than what we're going through right now. It's like, hey, we're in a recession, but, you know, it's not 1929, it's not 1857, it's not 1873, um, it's not the Civil War, you know. There, there's clearly much worse times to be alive with a lot worse problems, but those people were not only able to sort of make their way through it, in some cases, uh, they triumphed over it. And, and I wanted to provide the examples and the inspiration from those people and the choices that they made so we can at least in some way apply them to our own lives. What's your best piece of coaching advice to someone who says, okay, I have allowed myself to be beaten down by my these perceived obstacles and, and I want to change. Obviously, providing them the framework is an important first step, but but what's what's the real first move they should make to start uh, adopting this philosophy and this, and this framework? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, obviously, the book is a good place to start, but if I had to sort of, you know, reduce it down to a phrase that there's a stoic phrase, it's actually, it also appears in Shakespeare, but it's, there is no good or bad, there's only perception, right? There, uh, Shakespeare says, um, no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Um, and the idea is, you know, things are what they are. And we tell ourselves, it's like, hey, I got fired. And then you tell yourself, and now I'm never going to get another job again. Or you get dumped and now you say, I'm going to die alone. Like you add that extra thing. And so I I spent a lot of time in the first part of the book sort of breaking out the difference between observations and impressions, or perceptions and impression. An impression is objective. Um, A perception is the thing that we add on top of it and how we try to decide what it means, whether it's fair, whether it's right, how we're going to recover. And that's, in a lot of cases, not just an immense waste of time and resources for people, but they often make obstacles bigger than they are um, and they make their problems worse and then they wonder why they have trouble getting over them. 
You know, Ryan, I led off the, the conversation by talking about my entrepreneurial audience. And so we've we've couched a lot of this discussion around the entrepreneur, but this has applications in all aspects of life. Yeah. I mean, from personal totally. to healthcare to to your sales efforts. I mean, talk about some of the other applications of, of this philosophy. Yeah, look, I, I think I think stoicism is designed to be an operating system for life. It's designed like when you read, you know, Marcus Aurelius's meditations, he's talking to himself about not just his job and the responsibilities, but, you know, how to be a good person, how to be an honorable person, how to treat people with kindness and patience. Um these are th- like, you know, the 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 quote is, you know, the the impediment to action advances action what stands in the way becomes the way. There isn't a part in your life, I don't think, that doesn't benefit from thinking about things this way. Basically, what Marcus is saying in that quote, and that's why I based the whole book around it, is that whatever happens is a chance to practice virtue, right? And and the Stoics had a you know long definition of what virtues were, but every chance, everything that happens to you is a chance to practice, you know, the good things. And nothing can ever, no event is ever so good or so bad that you don't have that opportunity. And I would say it's not just business that that has that because, you know, he wasn't writing about business. But it's the same, you know, you get in a fight with a spouse, uh, you have a problem with your kid, you have a problem with your teacher, you're, you get in a car accident. Everything that happens to you in life is a chance it offers you a choice about how you're going to respond. And you should choose to respond as though the obstacle is the way, as though the obstacle is an opportunity to be good and rational and honorable and fair uh, and straightforward and, and, and kind and generous and all those things that we value as people. Everything that happens to you is a chance to do that, even really terrible things. And that's what I, I, I wrote the book about. You mentioned the Edison story, and as you've said, uh, th- this book is, is full of examples from amazing people from history. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, before you mentioned the Edison story, to share what your favorite story is from the book. Um, you know, obviously, Mark Surrealis is a favorite. I, I open and close the book with him. Um, I like the story of Samuel Zamuri, who was the, he, he ultimately ended up acquiring um uh, United Fruit. There was this law that said um, he couldn't make a bridge over uh, over this certain river, um, and so he responds by building two long piers that meet each other in the middle. He he would he as United Fruit he's selling bananas, um, and so there was a railroad that went right to the end of one pier and a railroad that went right to the other in the other, and they would just toss the uh, the bananas across the pier, or they had a floating pontoon that would allow them to walk it from one engine to the other. And I just love this idea of of it's like okay, that's your law. I'm. I'm going to take it for granted, but I'm going to find the best way around it because I've got something that I need to do. And so um, that's one of my favorite stories. I like the story of Demosthenes, the Athenian orator who was born with um, you know, a speech impediment. His guardian stole all his money. Yeah, and he, I like he that used, one. He uses this as a chant. Like he, he literally goes underground and decides, I'm going to write this wrong and becomes you know, the greatest speaker in all of Greece. Um, 
because he saw this massive injustice that was inflicted on him, not as like a fatal blow, but as a challenge that he would prove himself against. And and I, I that's if there's one thing in common that all these people have, it's that they they were subjected to some unfortunate situation as we would define it, and they responded with it at either joyfully or almost as a as a challenge to test their worth, and they proved themselves, you know, against that challenge. Ryan, the, uh, the, the big thing that I personally got out of this book was, was and I, you know, we all know this stuff, but sometimes you need to get smacked in the forehead to really, really think on this. Uh, but I lived my life in, in my 20s and in my 30s thinking, okay, if I just do this and if I just do that, everything's going to be perfect and I can just enjoy the ride. And, and the, the key lesson here for me in this book is that there are always going to be obstacles. No matter what happens, no matter where you go, there's always going to be impediments. There's always going to be these roadblocks that are going to cause disruption. Some more major than others, no, no doubt. But, but I think the philosophy here is to say, look, if you, if you acquiesce to those obstacles, your life's going to be a miserable slog. But if you begin to understand this philosophy and, and appreciate the framework, then you're going to see a life full of opportunity. I mean, that's what this is all about, right? To- totally. I think, um, you know, we tend to think that adversity, our, our sort of modern definition, that's why it's not in the title of the, bo- the, the book, is, is adversity is this thing that happens to you when you're just getting started and then you get successful and then there's no more of it. No, life is like that. Sometimes it's it's a lot of it. Sometimes you get lucky and you have only a little of it or sometimes it's, big things and not a lot of small things or sometimes it's a lot of small things but you know again we don't control the world the world is always testing us and presenting us with challenges and 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 difficulties and you've got to you've got to understand that it's never not going to be that way but if you can see it if you can see those as something that makes you stronger you're in a really good position and you know i i i quote there's a haitian saying that i quote in the book where it says you know behind behind mountains are more mountains and so you don't think that oh i solved this problem now i'm not going to have any more problems instead develop a framework and a mindset that embraces problems because you're going to face a lot of them and get stronger for it and you'll i think you'll like the results all right. Well, Ryan, I'm going to let you go. You got to get to writing that fourth book so I can get you back on the show. Before I do let you go, how can people get in touch with you and where can they get their hands on The Obstacle is the Way? Yeah, so The Obstacle is the Way is in bookstores everywhere, um, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. It's at retail stores. Uh, you can go to my site, ryanholiday.net, uh, or you can follow me at Twitter on, uh, at, at Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday, best-selling author of The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph. Ryan, as always, invigorating to talk with you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of my guest, Ryan Holiday, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. What you want? What you want? You've been listening to Intrepid Radio, hosted by me, Todd Schnick. You can find the show at intrepidradioshow.com. If you enjoyed the broadcast, kindly leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, stay bold, and I'll see you soon on the Intrepid Radio Show. Intrepid Radio.